about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. For those of you expecting the voice, the beautiful voice of P-Wagon, um, he's not with us this week, and he might not be for at least the short-term future. He's busy doing his uh, his rugby coaching. And uh, so Steve and I are going to take over. Um, as some of you may have noticed, um, we got a new makeover. What would you say about that, Steve? Yeah. Um... Yeah, you got got to drive the clicks, got to drive the social games. Uh, you, know, you and I are, are much more adept at that than uh, than than P. Uh, so, yeah, we we've really taken a concerted effort to get uh, more involved online. I've been uh, hammering the gift game, and you've been uh, you're our stat- house statistician. So, <laughs> between uh, between the both of us, uh, you know, we're we're actually you know we're we're obviously looking to engage with as many people as possible. Uh, we should probably throw in some polls soon, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're thrilled, uh, to, to in, engage with anyone. And that's kind of the, the purpose behind our new, our new initiative. Yeah, pretty much. We, uh, we got a new profile picture going up, something, uh, I designed of us four horsemen and then a sweet little Twitter banner saying Notre Dame is better than scum with SC and, and Herb UM. Smith likes one of our tweets. Yeah, Herb Smith is the greatest. If he's out there listening, you are welcome on our show at any time. Um, but I should give a good shout-out to potentially new listeners. Uh, we've been doing a good job of reaching out um, to Notre Dame community on uh, Twitter, and we've gotten uh, triple the following in about 48 hours. So to anybody who's checking us out for the first time, welcome. Um, you're uh, you're going to get a, a two-horseman show, but uh, we're going we're gonna to carry the water and get it done. So... I think with that we should get right into it. What did you think of New Mexico? <laughs> to to go back to another Breaking Bad reference, this is a callback. Um, actually, this isn't a Breaking Bad reference. I'm just an idiot. But they are who we we thought they were. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually just a, like what Jim Mora. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, no, they were. They what did I say? Like sixty-three to three or something like that. That was my prediction. I also predicted something else that I'm sure we'll talk about relatively soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just uh, they're obviously um, not on the same level. I mean, good good for for them. I mean, they they showed some promise in the run game for them. Hope they have a successful season. Um, hope Bob Diaco recovers from his heart issue or whatever that may have been. Credit for them for uh, putting up somewhat of a fight, but I mean, talent gap. It what it, it is what it is, and it felt good to really take care of a game that we were supposed to, which has been a problem in in ND's past, especially since like the '05 season. So, and I'm sure, obviously, you you share that sentiment. Yeah, no hearts out go to um, or our hearts go out to um, Bob Davy of uh, former Notre Dame coach. Um, hope he's recovering Diaco well. Davy, my bad. <laughs> I didn't want to correct I, I you. So I thought if I, I just said it on reference for the life of me tonight. <laughs> That's fine. That's what makes the show. Um, it's funny because you look at the score line. What was it? 66 14? Is that the final score? Um, you'd thought, wow, Notre Dame fans had a really nice, relaxing game. But au contraire, my friend, um, Notre Dame Twitter was meltdown when the Irish went 3 and out, or not 3 and out, but they, they didn't score a touchdown on their first drive. Yeah, first drive. Um, it was pretty uh, ugly to start the game, and ND Twitter just kind of had a had a meltdown there. But this is why I say we are a very overreacting, emotional fan base because we scored sixty six fucking points. <laughs> you know, it was it was a very good offensive game. Um, the defense was great. Um, we can get into some stats going around later about running, uh, but I thought overall Notre Dame was really good. Um, we got to see three quarterbacks like I predicted last week, but nowhere near as good as the predictions Steve had made, which is going to go in the Hall of Fame of predictions. But yeah, I would like to just kind of get into two stats, if I could. It, areas of concern and areas of um, pride. The first one is Notre Dame went 1 for 10 on third downs. Unacceptable. Um, it was carrying on from the Louisville week, where it's like, 
first or third and one, third and two, and we just keep getting stuffed. I don't know what we can do. Well, I'll let you jump in. And and just to compound on that or expound, whatever. Uh, again, I can't speak. Um, that that lone, you know, conversion on third down. Uh, it was Lawrence Keys on the crossing route. Uh, very early in the game, I think it was either the first or uh, you know, still in the first quarter or it was just barely into the second. Very early on, crossing route, Lawrence Keyes makes a nice nice adjustment. It was kind of an inaccurate throw, accurate enough to obviously complete. But um, you know, he made the adjustment, he made the catch, first down, great, awesome. And then from there, uh, we go, what, 0 for 9 for the rest of the game? You know, 1 for 10 for the, for the whole game, like you, you mentioned. The, the most concerning thing at this point is the lack of adjustment being made. But I, I just wanted to interject quickly about that and give Lawrence Keys a shout-out. But, uh, yeah, con- continue on your thought. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good interjection there. It's, it's an issue that's going to have to be fixed. Um, teams that win are usually teams that are successful on third down and are winning in the turnover margin. Um, but one thing I'd like to touch on where Notre Dame played well is really in the passing game, both offensively and defensively. So, again, raw stats nothing too much to get into but we only really have the box scores unfortunately college football data is not really um to the level the nfl is but just some general observations we went for 434 passing yards which is really good considering we didn't try in the second half to really throw the ball uh we were moving the ball vertically and that's what's really important we were averaging something like 17 per attempt or at least per reception which again is mind-blowing numbers you're getting the ball down the field and we know um, statistically, that uh, throwing the ball, getting the ball vertical, getting higher yards per attempt, that's really more predicated to success, more predicated to score, and that's really a good sign to see. And on the flip side, defensively, we only gave up 151 passing yards, which is really significant because usually when a team is losing, they tend to throw the ball to catch up. That's why um, quarterbacks, for example, in the NFL who throw for 30 or 40 passing attempts per game are usually the ones losing the game because they're trying to get back into it. Um, so the only... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the New York Giants forever. Um, so 151 yards total is really impressive when you take that into account. And what's even more impressive is it was only 5.2 yards per, which is kind of insane when you think about it. You know, you're only giving up five yards per pass, which is really not a, a good number for New Mexico. And that suggests that we are a lockdown pass defense. We're going to be very hard to throw the ball on. And also we picked up three interceptions. So it was a, it was an interesting game in the end. I think it's one we should be proud of. Uh, we put a team that we should beat. We buried them really. Um, but they were a bad team and it's going to be hard to get around that. Um, we're going to play a good team this week. So before we jump into Georgia, I'm going to give you your opportunity to give us your four horsemen for the week. Yeah, uh, four horsemen. Um, so the first one uh, kind of ties into that prediction that we alluded to. And if anyone listened to uh, our predictions from last week, you would have heard this. Uh, I said on the podcast, if people don't forget, you can rewind, that Kyle Hamilton, true freshman, five-star phenom from Atlanta, Georgia, he was going to get his first ever pick six, and what do you know? Seven nothing. He begins the scoring on the day uh, with a pick six, which was awesome. And and shout out to uh, to uh, to Dalen Hayes, not Jay Hayes. R.I.P. He's gone. Um, Jay Hayes dropped back in coverage as the weak side defensive end. Uh, he got his paws up there, deflected the ball, made it. Uh, you know. Uh, a, a very easily pickable ball for Hamilton, and then Hamilton just did the rest because he's a freak athlete. So um, he had two tackles on the day. Pick returned to the house. Uh, he's my first horseman. Second has to be Javon McKinley, um, and and I want to speak a little bit more about Javon shortly. Uh, so remind me after you finish your horseman. Uh, but yeah, I mean he had his. His second career reception was a 65-yard touchdown. It was just a simple six-yard crossing route. Catches it underneath, breaks a tackle, stiffs arms a guy, goes outside, gets downfield and scampers for the for the score. So he was excellent after the catch on, on that one. And then his other reception on the day, he only had two receptions for 85 yards but two touchdowns. So his other one was just a fade route, go into the corner, make a jump ball, make a catch. So two catches, two touchdowns, very efficient. Uh, so Javon, um, hell of a game. <laughs> it's crazy. He, had, he he literally had one career reception going into that game. So 
uh, yeah. as a senior. So good for him. Um, the third uh, going to our rover, uh, Asmar Belial. Uh, there, there was a. I mean, everyone on defense played great. You know, Sean Crawford played great. He had an interception. What a hell of a comeback story for him. Uh, a few other players that we can get into. Um, but you know, Asmar Belial led the team in tackles with a. He had two tackles for loss. So he's getting downfield. He's he's punishing uh, ball carriers and he's he's uh, really forming into the role. And this this is important because what's the analysis on Notre Dame versus Georgia? Right th- this week, it's it's that Georgia can run the football like no other country or no other team in the country. Uh, Notre Dame's interior defensive line and their uh, their linebackers are still developing, so they're a little bit behind and, and not on that uh, superior level. So it's it's going to be the matchup, and we're we're going to probably get into that shortly. But to see S. Marble Isle, uh, you know, running all over the field, making plays not just this week, but throughout the entire season so far, as as we are two and zero, you know. Feels good. Uh, it, it looks good. Feels good, and and everything is has been going relatively according to plan so far between him and Drew White and and the rest of the linebacking core. So I think that's a bright spot. And the uh, the last the, <laughs> the 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 last horseman is of course the chosen one, Phil Jerkovich. <laughs> So Phil Jerkovich came out, and I think he ran like two drives, but he, he completed his first career pass, 52-yard bomb to Braden Lindsey uh, out of shotgun. Uh, just an absolute gorgeous missile down the center of the field, uh, splitting the, the safeties. And it was – some have been saying – I didn't say this, so don't, you're not quoting me, but some people have said – it was literally the greatest pass ever thrown. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, I'm I'm giddy as a schoolgirl. My little baby boy Phil, he is the fourth horseman this week on on just a, such an incredible stat line. So, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> For those of you new to our show. Um, Phil Jerkovic is our Lord and Savior, basically, especially for Stephen Wagon. I have an uncomfortable crush on him. It's weird, but it's understandable because he is the future. Um, so going into mine, my first horseman, and I'm a little bit biased saying this, drinking some Tim Hortons here all the way in Canada, but Chase Claypool, man, this guy is a beast. He uh, went four receptions for 96 yards, 24.4 per or 24 per for one touchdown. Um, what made me chose him is that he's just so dominant. He made a beautiful catch on the boundary, which kind of got Ian Book in the rhythm. Um, you can't beat him in the air. There was one chance where he had uh, Book had him long, and he kind of got turned around. He didn't grab it, but he's just a monster up there. Like, I don't know how anybody can defend him. Yeah, and, and even uh, he caught... I think it was a screen pass or yeah, it was, it was a screen pass, uh, breaks the initial tackle, gets up field. Uh, what a strong runner willing to take on like four or five defenders and, and move the chains. So yeah, I mean, hell of a talent. I, I love, uh, you know, Claypool. I think he's, he's premier. Yeah. Yeah. He's a yak monster. We got a lot of yak monsters on our team yards after catch. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. I tweeted him after the game saying, man, you're making our country really proud. Keep on going, man. He's going to be a, a great player in the NFL one day. Um, it's great to see that representation, you know, as Canadians love when we find other Canadians. Um, so my second horseman, I went with Ian Book. Um, early, it was a little rusty. I think Ian Book can best be, be described as a a really good, if not great, quarterback who just still misses that thing to take him to the next level. Like he almost had a perfect game. And when you really started the game, he didn't look too good. Kind of uh, throwing the ball away. We're questioning the way he is in the pocket. But overall, he went 15 for 24, 360, uh, 15 yards per attempt, which is a great statistic for a quarterback. Five touchdowns and one running touchdown. Um, what I want to bring up, of course, is QBR, which we talked about last week, the best quarterback stat. For those of you who've been looking at QBR, you might find something confusing like I did, but I think I figured it out. Uh, in the box score, he has an 85.5 listed QBR, which is fantastic. That's one of uh, that'd be one of the best in the country for the week. Um, but if you look at his stats, just in his profile, it's 
he got a 72.6 QBR, which is actually lower than he got against Louisville, which was 79. And that didn't make any sense to me. But what I figured out is that 85.5 is his raw QBR. So he had a monster game and he just performed fantastic. And 72 is his total QBR, which is opponent adjusted. So basically, New Mexico is so bad that they bumped down his QBR score 13 points. And they actually bumped the Louisville one up. So he actually had a better total QBR against Louisville than he did New Mexico because of how weak the opponent was. But nonetheless, total raw QBR um, was fantastic. Um, third for me, like you mentioned, Javon McKinley. Talk about a yak monster. That has got to be one of the best running after the catch touchdowns I've ever seen. Um, I thought he was a freshman. I didn't even know where he came from. I thought this is a great young talent we got here, man. But, hell, he's going to be a fantastic receiver out there with Claypool. How do you defend those two monsters? It was like Boykin last year, too, right? Like, you throw the ball up. The touchdown, he caught the one in the end zone. He just threw it up to him. You know, he's grabbing that. (laughs) Good luck with it. Um, And then, lastly, I got Bilal as well. Eight tackles, seven solo, two for loss. I thought he really broke out. I know PFF gave him a really good grade last week, which was suspicious at best. Um, Or, sorry, the the Louisville week. But I thought he played great. Really great all-around performance for the team. Um, some people are concerned about the rushing yards given up, um, but I think we can touch on that in a bit. Uh, I'm just going to let you get your thoughts in, Steve. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> yeah, so Ian, I, I think uh, the, the thing that is not getting him to the next level, and and I, I have to... to... I have to take a step back, and because I, I'm I'm becoming to a point so overly critical of him, but at the end of the day, this it's this our quarterback had 360 uh, yards and five touchdowns. Now, uh, two of those touchdowns came from sweeps: one to Fink going left, one to Avery Davis going right. Avery Davis, how, how about that? <laughs> Introducing himself on the year, holy shit! Um, so I mean, those technically count as passing touchdowns, and uh, between those two, he had like a hundred uh, yards. All right, but that means he still had, you know, like 250 approximate yards and three uh, passing touchdowns. He was relatively accurate throughout the day. What was remarkably impressive and 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 what gave me a lot of hope and and that you know put really put some juice in my nuts if we're really talking uh, honestly here, <laughs> is is when he stood in to the pressure, faced it down, and um, while he's getting hit, puts a ball up to uh, Tommy Tremble, and that was ended up being like a 29-yard pass uh, to his tight end. So, yeah, that, that was phenomenal. And if he can make more plays like that, great. So it's it's just identifying the rush pre-snap, I think, is really something that he just – he's got to work on, man, because uh, even in, in this game, I think there was three three to four really bad plays where uh, – you know, where re- my mistake, really bad missed reads where pre-snap he could have made adjustments and um, not faced nearly as much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so How about bad. Tommy Trouble, though, man? That guy's breaking out. True freshman. He's a beast. He's a beast, and, and they, you know he was a three-star prospect. But um, you know, he, coming out of Norcross, Georgia, a lot of people, we knew that he was an athlete. Um, you know, it's just a matter of size and mentality for the game. He's big. He's like six five, but it's uh, you also you got to have you know the muscle to to compete at this level. Uh, and and he stepped right in, and he's done his role. Uh, so yeah, yeah he's I mean, been a and, surprise. Yeah, he he has been in the face of Colkmet being down, uh, who is rumored to be back for this week, which would be awesome. They put him um, on the game chart. Notre Dame did. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So that that's good news. I mean, we we have a lot of depth. Even so, you know, technically, Tommy, Tommy Tremble's our third tight end on the roster, and he's uh, been stepping up in, into uh, the role in uh, in a, a hell of a way. So that's promising. I you know. Ian definitely has adjustments to be made, but at the end of the day, he did play a hell of a football game, and it's given me a little bit more, uh, a little bit more oomph heading into uh, into the big week. I think juice in my nuts has to be just a line we use forever now. Okay. Like that's yeah. gonna be a tagline. We can, we can uh, trademark that. We'll get. <laughs> I, I have to create an Instagram for us. We'll we'll have that out there some way. Possibly a T-shirt. Juice in our nuts with a, with oh, a big shit yeah. rock. <laughs> 
that's amazing in, in so many ways. We're kind of family-friendly. We're a kind of family-friendly podcast. If your family's cool with a few F-bombs and a few juice in my nuts jokes. Um, let's, let's get into Georgia. I hate Georgia. No, I don't. I actually don't mind Georgia. I think I hate the SEC, and I hate everybody's fans on Twitter, but it's universal. Like, everybody's fan base on Twitter is awful. Like Michigan's, I've met a lot of Michigan fans who are fantastic people. On Twitter, I want to strangle them all. So it's just kind of, I think, the whole Twitter sphere where we all hate each other. But just getting into Georgia, I'm sure lots of you guys saw the tweet from Pete Sampson. Sampson or Simpson? Sampson. Okay. Writes for The Athletic. Good good journalist. Um, he wrote, or he tweeted, the stats on rushing yards per attempt, given up and gained Notre Dame is very poor. It's like 109th in the country, and Georgia's really high. It's like top 10 in the country. Here, here's the deal. I, I did my my rant on running the ball last week. I'm not going to go through that again. If you guys want to hear why running the ball is useless, check out last week. But it obviously, it's still concerning. What I would like to say to that is a few things. One, it's a small sample size. It's two games. It's It's just two games. That's it. Both teams have played nothing teams, right? I know it doesn't look good that Notre Dame's given up a lot against nothing teams, but that's not meaningful data. And it's the same thing with Georgia, right? They've played probably an FCS school and then some other school, Arkansas State or whoever they played last week. It's a very small sample size. Georgia has not played a good team yet. Notre Dame has not played a good team yet. We don't really know what's going to happen. The other thing is the folks in the stats community who are much smarter than I um, – not a huge fan of rushing yards per attempt as a rushing metric. Um, don't ask me why. I, I'll find an answer for you eventually. But it's there are better stats out there, we know. What I'm saying is to the people who are looking at that and reasonably looking at statistics, you know, good job, good on you, and are freaking out, just remember, small sample size, not the best way to cover it. And as we know, and as we've talked about, you know, Steve, we've talked about running the ball before. A lot of it is predicated on things beyond the running back, even beyond the offense, right? How many men are in the box? Like, what is the defensive personnel on the field when you're running can greatly affect running the ball? So, obviously, I don't want to give up four and a half yards, five yards per carry. I don't think we will. But even if we do... Running the ball we talked about was last week is a little, it's inefficient compared to throwing the ball. And if they are running the ball on us, I would prefer it than passing. Because if they're passing and succeeding on the passes, that that's when they score quickly, that's when they score effectively. I would much rather be able to add men to the box to stop the run because I know our pass defense is good. Do you know what I mean? That That's kind of my approach to it is. Um, but this is going to be a run football game. As much as I don't want that to be the case, we're going to get a really ugly meat and potatoes football game. I just don't think we need to act like the sky is falling just because Notre Dame has given up a lot of rushing yards per attempt against New Mexico and Louisville, and Georgia has rushed a lot on some terrible teams. We don't know yet. There's too many early assumptions to look at that and freak out. So I just want to do that as a caveat before we get into Georgia because this was swirling through Notre Dame Twitter, which, of course, knowing our fans had completely melted everybody down, suggested we couldn't win. Uh, some people suggested we weren't even, or Georgia had a better team, which I don't I don't know why you think that. Um, but Steve, I'll let you get your thoughts in, your, your Georgia preview and whatever else you think. Yeah, so Greg Fleming on Twitter, also uh, ND Twitter guy, he's you know, a journalist of sorts. Um, you know, he, he tweeted out, uh, so far this year on third down, uh, between one to three yards to go, Notre Dame has eight carries for a net negative three yards. Zero of those are first down. So that means it's been third and short eight times. Ha- we haven't have gained a net yard, and we have not gotten a single one of those third downs. So, yeah, I mean, at a certain level, just throw the freaking football. Uh, play action, something. I mean... Ian is uh, escapable enough where even if uh, he drops back and then there's some pressure, I mean, we've seen him take off before. Like, what's to stop him from, from you know, scrambling for a first down? And then as for, the, you know, the, the statistics, you know, our interior line and linebackers and the, our rushing defense against their rushing offense, uh, obviously their rushing offense is going gonna, is gonna to be inflated. One, they were playing shit teams. 
Two, they were blowing the teams out. So at a certain point, you're just bringing in, you're just running the ball every single play, and then you're wearing down, you know, uh, uh, the second string of friggin' Bemidji State, right? Like, what is it? What do you think is going to happen? You know, it, look at Tony Jones in the first couple of uh, carries that he had against Louisville. Like, are, are we all of a sudden like not a good running team because he was incredible? You know, and, and at certain points, and then there were certain situations where it just wasn't appropriate to be running, and we stuck to it, and it fucked us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you there, uh, and and I am also in agreement that this is going to be a between the tackles, uh, or rather, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a you know a, a battle uh, on the, in the trenches. So it's. Rob, it has the makings of a game remarkably similar to a couple of years ago, uh, with the exception of we have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball this time. Um, so if I were to, to guess, you know, I don't know how they're getting 13 and a half. We're looking at you know, if, if this is a high scoring affair, 24-17, but I honestly think it's going to be both teams are scoring less than 20, my oh, guess. Well. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if I mean, I, can... I, I just... Yeah, if I could just get a, a, a word in about something I've seen from Notre Dame fans um, before we just get too far out of ourselves is that one of the other issues is we weren't running the ball well. And people were saying, well, how are we going to beat Georgia without running the ball? We put up 66 on New Mexico without a good run game. You know, we still put up 150 or 200 rushing yards. Like, the idea that we need to run the ball to win is not necessarily true, and we saw that. It's just Clemson uh, did not run particularly well against us in in the game last year. There was one yep. particular Travis Etienne run where he got free. Other than that, they were bottled up. Yep. The, when did Clemson win the game? When Julian Love went down and they started throwing the ball to our our poor corners, and that's and that's it. Is that we don't need to run the ball to establish play action. We don't need to run the ball to establish the run. We can do that by passing. And look, we're going to run the ball, and I hope we have success with it. But it's more important for Notre Dame to be efficient with what they do when they get the ball. Because if Georgia's going to eat up a lot of possession, which they probably will because Notre Dame has lost the possession battle in the last two games, Notre Dame's going to have to make the most of their opportunities. Now, the thing is, is you can you, Georgia can eat up clock and you can stop them from scoring. But if you start scoring, Georgia's got to start catching up with you. So that kind of leads us into another question. Uh, we got a, a, a fan question because we like to engage with our, our Notre Dame fans because that's why we do this, right? It's not for money. Our, our $5 and our uh, <laughs> ad money... It's definitely not it. It's to it's to meet with you guys and, and to interact. So we got a question from Evan on Twitter saying, what's more worrying, Georgia's passing or run game? So I'll let you take that one first, and I'll give you my answer. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the pass game. Uh, they've got one hell of a quarterback. And on, I welcome the challenge because we have such an outrageously good pass defense that like this and this is what we've been kind of building up and leading into is that I think this is is such a remarkable matchup for us because yeah they're they're gonna run they're gonna break off a 16 17 yard run and everyone's gonna be panicking oh we're getting tossed around uh. it's like at the end of the day like we can stack the box and then force them to get the ball down the field and um you know what please do so that way we can drop into a nickel package. We have Lowy Gilman come into the box, and he can play uh, coverage on somebody in the slot. And then we have Sean Crawford on the field. We have Tro- uh, Troy Pride. And then we have Kyle Hamilton and Sean Crawford. I, um, uh, Jalen Elliott, sorry. Uh, that, that's, that's your choice, is to, to be in third down in, in four and have to, to go against that. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's it's... <laughs> We are, I don't think people understand the, just how good this secondary is. And I really hope that we are not a paper tiger as that piece of shit Paul Feinbaum described us as. Because um, I'm excited for this matchup and, and I'm more afraid of their passing game than their running game because of the efficiency of it. Um, but I'm also excited to see this matchup because I think, uh, f- call it what it is, this, this is a playoff game. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. There's a reason why, even knowing that Georgia could exploit our potential weakness running the ball from that stat that I tried, you know, I tried to address. But even knowing that, and even knowing how good our secondary is, there's a reason why I'm more afraid of Georgia passing the ball than running the ball. It may seem counterintuitive, but the answer is quite simple: passing the ball is efficient. Jake Fromm, I checked this out. He is ninth 
in college football right now in QBR. He's got 90 raw score that's been adjusted down to 87. That is top 10 in college football. That's a, that is better than Ian Book right now. He is a very, very good quarterback. Throwing the ball, even though I like our secondary, if Georgia, I almost think that stat is a blessing in disguise. If Georgia thinks the way to win the game is on the ground, go for it. I would I, just go for it because I think we can stop them. And I think we can stack the box and still defend the pass. But if Georgia has the mentality of running the ball first, I feel better about it. If Georgia's out there gunslinging on us, even though our secondary is great and I think we could give them a really good fight, there is just more efficiency in throwing the ball, even with a bad quarterback. And that's why I would much prefer them. I'm much more scared of their offensive, their passing game, because the quarterback's good. They got lots of talent in Georgia. But we got a lot of talent in South Bend. And I think that's going to really bring us to the tail of the tape. So do you have anything to say about Georgia before we uh, we line them up? Line them up in terms of going like roster spot for roster spot or like the end of the podcast? <laughs> no, no. I just I had basic stuff like where do you think we could exploit them? Um, yeah. Stuff um, like that. I mean, I don't tail of the tape. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't pay too much to them uh, too much to pay, pay too much attention to them. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, I don't particularly have the, uh, the all 22 on the SEC. I don't really care for it as a conference. There's really three teams and the rest of everyone else kind of sucks <laughs> to be frank. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, we know that they have a hell of a quarterback. We know that they have a, a good offensive line. We know they have good running backs. Uh, you could even say great running backs. Wide receivers, uh, I think they, they lost one of their guys recently to the draft. Yeah, I think Cole Hardman and Ridley, too. Okay, so that now they have just Godwin, correct? Yeah. As, as like their main return I think, guy. I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just Godwin who, who did, you know, albeit make that incredible catch a couple of years back against us. I think he was <laughs> a sophomore. So, yeah, they, they are a good football team. They've also lost a ton of talent to the uh, NFL. You know, good for them. You know, I, I have no animus towards Georgia. Um, you know, Mike McGlinchey was quoted. Uh, he said in 2019, even though we lost, it was it was the way that we played and the way that we stuck with them that we, uh, that he knew, quote unquote, this program had turned it around to the next level, even in the face of a loss against that team. Um, internally. They knew, you know, we are right there. We're on the precipice of being with these guys. And we've only gotten stronger talent-wise, development-wise with coaches and, and then also, um, you know, at, at in depth. You know, um, we have a lot of young guys, Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keyes, that are now contributing on the offense. Um, there's no reason why we can't be within seven points late in the fourth quarter. There's no reason why we can't be ahead seven to ten points late in the fourth quarter. There's no reason why we can't go in and win this game. We obviously have a big game problem, quote unquote. I, I, I don't think you're a true Notre Dame fan if you, you if you can't recognize that. Uh, but the you know I'm I'm I work in investments and our number one disclaimer: past performance is not indicative of future performance. So there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, just because just because we lost to Alabama seven fucking years ago, when they were running the ball down our throats, doesn't mean that that's going to be indicative of this team. You know, those guys are long graduated and probably working at invest other investment firms. Right? So like, <laughs> so I just I I just, you know so fuck fault Paul Feinbaum. Uh, yeah, we we know what this game is going to be. Uh, it's going to be a trench war. Um, Hopefully Brian Kelly just doesn't screw around too much with the play calling and, and he's willing to just open up the playbook, the passing playbook and, and let Ian just do his thing. And hopefully Ian uh, can can make the proper pre-snap adjustments, because I think that's what it's basically coming down to is can Ian face the rush? And I believe that he can. Um, and yeah. that's that's basically what it comes down to, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Um, I'm glad you touched on the past performance is not indicative of future performance. That's just college football fans can't get that out of their head when it comes to Notre Dame at all. Uh, I mean, we saw it in the Clemson game. They were saying, well, you lost in Alabama in 2012, so you're going to lose to Clemson. Well, that's not a reason. <laughs> just because those two things occurred did not mean they were related at all. Um, and this is a mindset I really hate with Notre Dame fans. I brought this up last night. I think 
they don't think we're on this level, that they, they were assuming that we're the weaker team going in. Guys, last year, Notre Dame was the playoff team and Georgia wasn't, albeit they were very close teams, right? You would say they were both probably top eight, top six teams last year. They were equal. At the very least, they were very equally matched in talent. And I would say Notre Dame was better. But the point is that they were close. Well, guess what? Georgia lost more to the draft. Georgia lost their two best receivers. They lost a lot on their front seven, whether it be to draft or injury or, or suspension or whatever it may be going on down there in Athens. This, There's no reason why we should think Notre Dame is any worse than Georgia. I get the first two games may not have pleased you because we didn't score 70, but that's not indicative of Notre Dame being worse. You saw one tweet about one stat, and you guys are, I feel like our fan base is just losing their mind. This is a game we can win. The advantage Georgia has is playing at home. That's it. It's We are a big road team. And being a 14-point dog or whatever Vegas has it at is, I think that's a bit much. I think that's yeah, a lot I of saw public money coming in. just recently. I would think, usually, so the home team usually gets three. I would go between seven and a half and ten and a half Georgia favorites. I think would be much more fair um, because they are a home team. They people will assume they're highly they're, they're higher ranked. Their quarterbacks performing better. I get that. We are underdogs, but to suggest that we are a two touchdown team below Georgia is just ridiculous. And and even if we can get into this for a moment, I I, I put up some stats. So efficiency stats. Offensively, Georgia's fifth in the country. Notre Dame sixteenth. Uh, Georgia's eighth defensively efficiency. Notre Dame, uh, Georgia's ninth defensive efficiency. Notre Dame is eighth. We're actually a higher efficiency defensively than Georgia. Um, overall, Georgia's fourth, and we're ninth. We're very close after a small two-game sample size, which shouldn't be taken too seriously. And then, if you look at S and P, uh, one of the best and only <laughs> advanced analytics on college football, Georgia's third in the country. Notre Dame's tenth. We're very close. Uh, our scores. It's not like this is a. Uh, uh, David and Goliath game like people forget and there's a stack going around that we're like one in 19 since I think 05 or 2000 or whatever against top five teams and what I find that's a little unfair because the system the, the ranking system's a little arbitrary because I don't know about you guys but I remember our Notre Dame team going down to Norman Oklahoma and beating the breaks off of I Sooners was team. just gonna bring that up I was absolutely just going to bring that up. I remember Chris Brown catching that huge post route uh, like yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's the last time, uh, right, that we had a, a top 10 opponent on the road, or m- maybe it was um, the most recent one may have been Miami uh, back in that 2017 yeah. season. But it's not like Brian Kelly hasn't played in big games before. I mean, Notre Dame has struggled in recent past, correct? But again, past doesn't dictate the future, and... Uh, I I feel like people don't understand the concept that Brian Kelly's won two national fucking championships at Grand Valley State. Uh, then he went 12 and 0 at Cincinnati of all places. Like he's a great coach, two time coach of the year since joining Notre Dame. So like, like we have the depth, we have the talent. Are we supposed to believe that we're just like totally gonna get blown the doors blown off of us? I mean, if you if you paid attention at all to the first 17 to 22 minutes of the cotton bowl, we were step for step every second of the way, uh, you know, with, with that Clemson team, which was in my opinion, better than this Georgia team. So assuming that there's no injuries, assuming we play our game, what's to stop us from being within seven to 10 points, which, you know, exactly what I mentioned before. And then you said that's basically a fair handicap. So, I don't see a reason why we should be terrified. I don't see a reason that we should feel inferior to this team. Um, you know, every every metric has Notre Dame as a top ten football team in the nation, uh, and you're not going to be a top ten football team and and just get your, your shit stomped in. Uh, and this nine, is nine times out of ten. And this is the third year in a row. Kelly went ten and three. Of course, the year after we went four and eight with a big bowl win against LSU, which, by the way, we've beaten LSU twice in bowl games. Um, we've beaten rivals at home. We've won big games before. That's a, it's a myth. We've lost some big road games. Everybody does. You know, people sometimes forget that it's hard to win on the road against good teams. But so that the one year people we went forget three. Alabama lost to Auburn last year. We went twelve and zero. This year, we're expected again to have a really good season. And people forget that Notre Dame has been really good 
under the Kelly era with the first few years aside and then the one, four, and eight year aside. And I understand as a program, we can't be inconsistent like that. But you look at the year we were 6-0 and at Florida State with the worst pick call in the history of college football. Notre Dame is looking to get into the final BCS title game that year. They, that's giving, how close they were. You're giving me PTSD right now, but please continue. Sorry, but the whole team fell apart afterwards with injuries, and yes, we ended up having probably it was an 8-4, and 9-3 season. I get that. But going into the game against the defending champs or who, the would-be champs, whatever Florida State was that year, that was a game Notre Dame was looking. They were highly ranked that game. What about the Clemson year where we lose in a hurricane on a failed two-point conversion? Was Notre Dame not good that year? In fact, I've seen a tweet out there saying it doesn't matter what happens with strength of schedule. Notre Dame can't get in 11-1. and one. Um, I don't know if you guys remember out there, but the year that year Clemson won, um, Notre Dame was ranked th- third or fourth for most of that playoff season until they lost to Stanford. Notre Dame was a one-loss team in the playoff conversation. Them and Oklahoma were going back and forth. What about the year we lost to Georgia? Do you guys remember that year? We were 8-1, and 9-1 and one going to Miami. We were the third-ranked team in the country. We were by far a playoff team. So I don't think this game's the be-all, end-all. And I also like to point out that we've been a very good program. Kelly's gone 12-0 and 0 twice. We've had at least four 10-win seasons. When, when's the last time we've had that as a program? And if I could, if you want to get a word in, because I'd like to kind of tie that up with something. No, no, no. Keep going. Go off, King. I I put something out on Twitter from our podcast that you guys can check out. And the reason I put it out there is I, I want to make a point about it. So ESPN has a win probability method calculated by FPI. And it takes in all of our factors against the teams we're playing, who we are, based on some things of last year, some things of this year. And it gives a projection. I'm sure you guys are familiar with win probability. Notre Dame has a 32.7 chance of beating Georgia this week. That's not bad. That's We're clearly an underdog. It's a game we're not supposed to win. But it's a game we can win. The fact that it's at 32% suggests Notre Dame is a very capable underdog. But what I want to draw your attention to is everything afterwards. Virginia at home, 87.1% chance to win. Bowling Green, 99.6. Southern Cal, 84.1. And this is the key one. At Michigan, at Michigan, because they take into account home and away. Notre Dame has a 67.5 win probability of beating the Wolverines on the road in Ann Arbor. Now, who knows if that'll happen? But the point I want to make there is... I do. Shea Patterson's a bitch. Well, we're favored to beat them. Michigan has been is a fantastic, or maybe not fantastic, but they're still a top team. They're a ranked team that's a tough environment. We're expected to win. Virginia Tech, 94.8. Duke, 85.3. Navy, 96. BC, 97. Stanford on the road, 83%. Notre Dame is favored to win every game after Georgia, which is a game we could win. And don't get me wrong, we could lose some of the games we're favored to. But the point I want to make here is we're elite. We are on the door with Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia. We're in that conversation. That's what people don't understand. This is the best era we've seen since Lou Holtz. Notre Dame has been building to this. This is three years in a row now. How many teams can you remember that have been in this conversation for three years? I can think of Ohio State and Oklahoma and maybe Georgia, of course Georgia, but consistently it's just been them three and then Alabama and Clemson, which is on a different level. We're at this level. Not even LSU. Not LSU, not Michigan. Michigan keeps getting put into this conversation despite never finishing near that high. Ridiculous. It's Notre Dame. We are at this level, and our fan base has this just beaten dog mentality of just we're not good enough. We're overrated because we're told we're overrated. We're not. We're a good program. We've been recruiting excellently. Kelly has been producing a lot of talent. We've been winning games. This game at Georgia is going to be very important for the program. Don't get me wrong. We can win it. We can lose it. it. It's it's. I don't want to be winning it and saying, ha ha, look, I told you so, or then lose it and people say, ha ha, I told you so. Both can happen because these are two very good teams playing in Georgia. There's no wonder why we're an underdog. And people who are freaking out about running in the first two games, who gives who gives a crap about that? This is the game that matters. This is the game our team has been looking forward to. This is the game with meaningful data on the line. And I just think that this is going to be one hell of a ball game, and it's one that... If we win, somehow people will discredit us, but the committee will put us with respect. But if we lose, you know, uh, it's one that I'm, I, I want to win because I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at how much we're going to be told you can't hang with the SEC teams. 
you guys are overrated. We're not. We're on this level, and I hope we prove that this Saturday, that we can win, because our fan base needs it, and it would put a real jolt of energy into this season if we go into Athens, Georgia, and beat the Bulldogs. So that's that's what I got to say. Steve, anything from you? I mean, it, it, taking the from, from your uh, from your mouth to God's ears, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. We are an elite program at this point. We are perpetually a top ten program. I I think, uh, and it's only going to get better next year. We have two five star prospects. When's the last time Notre Dame has had two five star prospects in the same class? Uh, Chris Tyree and Jordan Johnson. And then you know the the, the class is looking excellent for the future. Um, two years from now, the class is looking equally as promising. You know, we've we've had great recruiting over the years. We've we've built depth, and that was the one thing that was separating us from from these other programs because we were able to get the four star guys that by their junior and senior years they developed into great talents. We have incredible talent in the NFL, uh, but a lot of those guys when they were here were were in a silo. Um, you know, like. It's it just it, it was far and few between. There was there was talent discrepancies amongst the Notre Dame rosters of of years past. This year, one guy has any sort of weakness, and and he's backed right up by someone who's experienced, who's been there, who's intelligent, who's an athlete, who's fast, who's smart, who's just a fucking football player. We are there. We this is what we've been building for, what we've been crying tears for, bleeding blood for as Notre Dame fans. And, and, and yeah, we have a tough game against an, an, an elite SEC opponent. I'm not going to let them rub my belly. I'm going in there like the, we are called the Fighting Irish for a reason. I'm going in there fists up because I truly believe that we're going to fight and win in, uh, this game. I, I said it at the beginning of the year. I cannot get out of bed. I cannot get you know read uh, 24/7 sports articles all summer long and and follow along recruiting I can't watch the spring game I can't get up every August and get excited to watch Notre Dame if I didn't truly believe that this is going to be the year and this can't be the year if we're just going to get steamrolled by Georgia because we have the talent we have the depth we have the coaching we have everything we need at this point to compete there's no reason we can't Yep. And even if we lose, we can still go on. The season isn't over. You know what I mean? We have the ability because we are on this level. But something I want to tell you guys, I want you guys to think with this mindset is that we're fucking Notre Dame. We are the best, the cream of the crop program in the history of this sport. What other program can kick Alabama, LSU, a number two and a number four matchup? Who else can kick that from the primetime spot? Notre Dame. Who else can get Georgia to try to replicate a 90,000 crowd outside the stadium for the game to create a better atmosphere? It's Notre Dame. We are Notre Dame. Truly an irrelevant program. Sarcasm. We are the pinnacle of this sport, whether we're winning or not. But we're going to reclaim our crown. We are going to go into Georgia. We are going to beat Georgia because we are Notre Dame. Everybody cares about Notre Dame. In all the shit you hear, the attacks on us... The overrated, that's because we're the goddamn New York Yankees of college football. I'm a Red Sox fan. I hate saying that. I'm wearing a Sox hat right now. It's true. We are the pinnacle of this sport, and we're going to show them Saturday why. Only Notre Dame gets this attention. It's us. It's it's our season. It's our game. And I want you guys to not have that mentality of I'm afraid of Georgia, but we're goddamn Notre Dame. We're going to put it to them. It's not Georgia's going to put it to us. We're going to bring the fight to them. Maybe we win, maybe we lose. But the point is we're going to go into Georgia. I think we're going to win. But we're going to give them a fight because that's who we are. We're the fighting Irish. What though the odds be great or small, Old Notre Dame will win overall. And that's really what I want to get you guys hyped for. We are going to take this, and I think this should lead us to our game predictions. Steve, what do you got? Uh... Excellent. <clears throat> Excellently said, my Canadian counterpart. Um, predictions. One thing. Uh, this is less of a prediction, more of a uh, a wish list. I would love to see with uh, the, this recent emergence. I'd love to see. First off, we need to put an APB out on Chris Fink. He's with the exception of his uh, end around Jet Sweep touchdown. He's kind of been 
not existent this year. Uh, I think he's better suited for the slot. Put Chris Fink in the slot, keep uh, Claypool on the outside, and then Javon McKinley, it is your fucking time to come into this offense, give it a shot in the ass, and put some juice in the nuts, as we say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at predictions, uh, again, I, I think it's a relatively low-scoring affair. I think... Um, I think it's because our defense is absolutely phenomenal. I think that Georgia has a very good defense, and I think that they're going to be able to put some pressure on Book, and there's going to be some times that Ian Book is going to look a little lost. Uh, but that kid is a fucking warrior, and we are the fighting Irish, exactly like you said, and I, I think he, he's going to fight through it. Uh, whether or not we win or lose, I'm not making that prediction. I'm saying this has the makings of a 17-13, 17-16, you know, 20-17 type of game. That's that's my prediction is it's tight and my prediction is that it's a low scoring affair um, and Phil Jerkovich, I love you. Can you give us before I get into mine just one like Kyle Hamilton return for a touchdown kind of prediction because you seem to have a power here. So give me like some kind of like prop that'll happen in the game. Braden Lindsay is going to make some sort of spectacular play where he's going to blow the game open. Uh, perhaps the Irish are down by 10 and, and Braden Lindsay is, is going to make some sort of ridiculous play with, with his outstanding uh, elite track speed. And he's going to get in the end zone and pull the Irish back into the game. So we can keep, we can keep fighting. I love it. I'll give you what I have to think. There was a game played way before my time as a Notre Dame fan by the way, it's my 22nd birthday today, so I'm fairly young. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you. That's what I love about this podcast is we can all get together. We have many differences, many different opinions, and we just get along because it's about Notre Dame. But there was a time when Notre Dame played Florida State in Tallahassee, way before my time. And to start the game, there was a big touchdown scored by the Irish. And the receiver walked into the student section of the Florida State Seminoles, and did the tomahawk chop and then swipe no. And that's the moment when Notre Dame beat Florida State on the road, however many years ago. I believe to start this game, Notre Dame is going to punch Georgia in the mouth. I think we're going to get off to a very fast start. And I think it's because we're going to be throwing the ball on them, and they're not going to expect it. I expect the Irish to go up early, but then I expect the Georgia Bulldogs to fight back. I think we're going to be defending a lead for most of the game, and we're going to require the defense to come through. But in the end, I think Notre Dame is going to win 27-20 to 20 against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I could be wrong, and it could be right. What matters is that we're at this level. We can win this game. I believe we will win this game. And next week, hopefully this podcast is in a very good mood because the rest of the season is ours to take. Any last words? I fucking love it. Make Notre Dame great again. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Go Irish. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week.